burn in me. Let the fire of the Holy One burn in me. So this morning I've been talking about the, uh, the promise that, came, that Jesus spoke of that came from the Father of being clothed with power. And I, how many of my North Dakota team have I got here? I've got one, two, three, four, five. So we got six. We got several of them here. And I, I realized very quickly that I'm not going to be able to do all of the teaching down in their in their services because they've got other things they do uh, as well. So uh, then God began to, sh well, actually God used somebody in the congregation. To, and when we talked about what we we're doing with the team, somebody in the congregation said, "Hey, we want that kind of training too." So I thought, well, yeah, <laughs> it might be a good idea. <laughs> too often, people like me assume that everybody has this training. Uh, and these, this understanding, and, and often I'm reminded, oh no, I don't, that they don't. <laughs> so we're going to talk about, let, let's just talk about power itself for a few moments. Uh, I want to give you a couple of Bible situations where the word is used. And rather than give you the Greek terms and all of those inflections, I just want to give you some instances out of the life of Jesus. And Remember the story where Jesus was in a crowd and the Bible says that he was pressed in the crowd. And in other words, there's a lot of people around him and they were very close together. But this woman pushes through the crowd and she touches just the bottom of his robe and she was healed. Now, the Bible says Jesus understood that power went forth out of him. Now, that's the same kind of power it talks about for us when he says, you will be endued with power. But think, what, think of the implications of, of that time. You know, um, this woman was healed, but not only that, but Jesus, now he's a, he's a man at this point. He, he's operating completely as a man. But he said, I sense that power went forth from me. So that tells me a couple things about it. Number one, that power that is in us and around us is able to have a tremendous impact on the natural lives of people around us. And when it goes forth from me, I'll know it. If, if I learn to be sensitive, if I, if I, if I learn how to, uh, how to work with it, I'll know that something is happening, even if I don't know exactly what is happening, I'll know that something is happening. Now, the next one, next example in the life of Jesus, he's been up on the mountain praying. And while he was praying, there's a whole group gathered around down at the bottom. Now, I find that whole thing interesting because Jesus is on the mountain. And these are not lazy people because they walk all the time, they climb mountains all the time, that, that's their life. There's something about the presence of this man 
that makes them like the people in the days of Moses. They're not going to climb that mountain. They're waiting for him to come down. And he starts down the mountain, and the Bible says he looked on them, and he saw them like a sheep without a shepherd. And the compassion started happening inside of him. And then it says power went forth from him at a distance. Power went forth from him and healed them all. Think of that. A whole crowd down there waiting. He didn't go down and tell them, now you've got to take these three, four, five steps into your healing. He didn't go down and gather up all the fish and say, now you've got to start eating fish and leave off the bread for you to be healed. But the compassion that was in him went toward them and healed them. And that's what gives me confidence when we pray for a situation like Bill and Karen are in. Don't you feel the compassion of God for Bill and Karen? Hey, just something there. And I know that as we pray that there's no distance, no geography in the Spirit, there's something happening there because the desire that's in me reflects the desire that's in God and answers the desire that's in them. And I want to be found praying, don't you? Now, we've, we spent some time not too long ago talking about, I'm just going to say it in a nutshell, useless praying. But folks, when you begin to understand what it is to communicate with God and to release what God has put on you, that's not useless. And we should spend a lot of time doing that, just praying and communicating and releasing the things that God has put on us. But the thing, another thing that, that I want to make it, I kind of danced around it, but let me say it, that that power that went out from Jesus was released by His own emotion. When you begin to feel something and to sense something, don't just try to shove it down. Begin to look and see if, if, there's a, if there is an uh, identifiable move on somebody else. It might just be that God wants to flow from you to them. I don't have time to go into that one, but ponder it and think about it. Now, the next thing that, that I would like to talk about where this power is concerned is for us to just consider why we might need power like this. You know, let's, let's first talk about the large picture. <coughs> we live in a world in which more than 3,000 people have been violently killed in the past 30 days. Simply because they didn't have the same belief system that the people who killed them had. And now you might be thinking, well, that only happens over there somewhere. But no, it happened right across the border from El Paso. It happens right across the border from San Ysidro, California. Uh, that's, a bit, that's on a bit smaller scale, but... but in Juarez, right where this is where Rafa lives. Somebody you guys know. There's been four pastors killed since last June, literally shot down in the streets. Why? Because they didn't believe like the cartels down there believes, and they were actively speaking out against them. Now the pastors are just that's just the the top of the heap. On the underside has been teenage parties. Not, and they weren't all Christians, just so that they could have a rule of fear that they walk in with their automatic weapons and hose them down. Right across from El Paso. 
And that don't hit the news because the cartels have threatened the news on this side as well as that side, and they tell them that if you keep reporting all this, your families die. So, we're sent forth as representatives of Christ, therefore representatives of God, into this world with the expectations of God that we make a difference. Let that sink in a moment. Think we might need some help? Hey, don't you know that when, in, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, if you want to look at it from John chapter 13 on through about 17, was all this conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples about the way this covenant was going to play out. He, was already know, he knew that he was going to die, and he was telling them now, this is the way this new covenant is going to play out. And he spent a lot of time with them right there talking about that. In among all that, don't you know that he saw this look on their face like what he's saying is he's not going to be here with us physically. And what, did he, what was his response to that kind of thought? He, he said, now I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you some help. I'm, and that word send, it's a wonderful word because we, we can't see it expressing all this in the English, but it literally expresses that Jesus was saying that what I have to handle all of this, I'm going to release that to you. Because Father's promised it would be okay. He's going to let me do that. I don't know about you, but I sense so many times, I sense the need for that. Let's, let's talk about a smaller picture now, the, the families that you deal with every day. Think of, think, think of families, households that have very ill, very challenging children. And uh, I'm going to say this in the way it is. Nobody likes to admit it, but for those parents, it's like they have a lifetime sentence. And it, without God, without a power demonstration from, from the miraculous, it is that. Think about, think about those families that, that they, they have people all around them that, that are addicted. We just talked with a young man this past week that, that his grandmother, his mother, his sister are all addicted. Now, that don't touch a lot of our lives. It, this is kind of humorous, but Caleb, what if your grandma and grandpa sitting next to you were, were addicts? How would that have changed your life? I'm not talking about coffee now. <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're raised in that. And same young man saying, yeah, I have a dad, but he's never really been in my life. But yet, God expects us to go into those situations and come up with answers. Now, I'm not saying they expect us to. I'm saying God expects us to. Uh, it's okay. He, sent, he has sent a helper. <laughs> I, I felt very helped in that conversation. Very pleased as, as I looked at that young man and saw that there was life in him, not just death. Now, I'm hearing more and more stories of this in this state as well as in others. Children who are left with violently abusive parents. Why? Nowhere to put them. 
got no more foster homes, got no more room in, in places. And, and they just have to give the parent admonition, release them back. And God put us here and expects us to make a difference. <laughs> Kirksville, with all of its all of its manifestations of of, uh, of drugs and and has been known to be one of the highest methamphetamine producing areas, not in just Missouri but in this nation. And God puts us right here and expects us to do something about that. I'm so glad He sent us a helper, aren't you? Now. In varying degrees, Jesus lived among these same circumstances of human tragedy. That, that was really the story. The story hasn't changed. I, I've read several different things through the, year, through the uh, last week or two of various uh, theological historians that, that have really looked at the way things uh, were in the times of Jesus. And all of them, their statement is, it wasn't so different. The only difference is there wasn't six and a half billion people on the earth. It looks like it's magnified now, but probably per capita, evil is just the same today as the evil that surrounded Jesus. So he's not asking us to do something that can't be done. He's just saying that, that, that he himself, when, when he worked this anointing that was on him, when he worked this power that was within him, he got some satisfaction in seeing that sick people were healed and, and people that, that needed help in various ways, they, they were taken care of and, and various things began to happen around him because of who he was and what he was releasing out from him. Everybody in contact with him was affected in some way. And think about your own life and do, don't do it with condemnation, but how long has it been since you were aware that everybody around you is, is affected in some way by you? They are whether you're aware of it or not. And the more aware of it you are, the more you're going to be able to release that Emmanuel that is not only with us, he's in us. And Jesus then began to make statements like, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Oh my, what a statement. Jesus so understood the, the words of the prophets concerning the Messiah that he began to see it in himself. And then listening to his mother and how he was born, he began to realize, I'm that person. I'm that person the prophets talked about. I'm the one that's supposed to be the beginning of a move that will go across the world and the kingdom of God will be established. I'm going to be the king that he sets on his holy hill. You know, there was nothing to guarantee anything of this except Jesus had learned to hear his father and he began to speak it and it became so. Now, what is really amazing is he then turns to us and says, just as my father sent me, I send you. <laughs> Can you imagine the panic? Folks, I'm telling you, your life is bigger than just success in this world system. Your life is bigger than just being effective at, at keeping a household running or keeping your job going. Your life is bigger than that. 
Because God put you in the place that He put you in because He's given you the power, He's given you the ability to make a difference there and to start to turn this thing around where the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And it's all about these promises that Jesus made as He was, as he was leaving. He, he said, I, I'll send you another helper. Now, in this, he was acknowledging two things. One, that he had been a tremendous help to those around him. But this word another, it means one of equal ability. In other words, I'm going to make it so individual that everyone in here has the possibility of being empowered just as he was. Now, I know everybody's not like me, but I've spent months and years trying, trying to get this in a way that it can be explained better and that, that we can put all the historical things around it and, and all of that. But this morning, the Holy Spirit is just, just challenging me to just put it out there. And I, I realize that when Jesus talked about it, He didn't try to explain it. He said, now you just wait because the Father's promised I'm going to send Him to you. <laughs> it's going to happen, so, so you just hang in there. So, go with me for just a few moments in your mind to the cross where Jesus is dying. Now, believe me, compared to what it actually looked like, this is a beautiful picture. We don't want to try to make it look like it looked like then. Go back to the one with him hanging on the cross, please. Here's what we've got to be careful of. I would say most of the world now, and a lot of people would argue with that, but I don't think there's any real argument. Most of the world believe that he died for us. And that's where they live. They live in constant view of a crucified Savior. And they come to that and they're struck with conviction. And they make all kinds of... of uh, commitments that I'm going to do better and, they, and they, they turn their eyes from that and they begin to live in a real world and tomorrow they don't do better and the next day they don't do better and they're drifting farther away from the cross until they're struck with conviction and they find themselves back looking at that crucified Savior saying I must do better can I tell you that's not where Jesus wants you to live he wants you to go beyond and to the other side of the cross where you pass through and you're always aware that there is a cross, that there is a way that, that He wants you to go which will literally crucify your old man. But He wants you to walk through that and to realize that there is something happens there that is so real. It's a born-again thing. I want, I want, to, I want you to... In, embrace this, what, what I'm talking about now, of just the ability of God. Think about when Jesus turned the water into wine. You remember the story? You know, there's a process from water to wine. But in just an instant, Jesus did that. What does that say about the ability of the power that was in him? You see, for water to become wine, water has to have a history. And somehow he was able to create the history for that water and bring it to the place where it would have taken years for it to get and bring it there right now. The power. 
That's amazing, isn't it? Now, he says to you, I'm going to erase your history. I'm going to bring you to a brand new birth. Old things pass away. Behold, all things will become new. Yet we live thinking, well, but I did this and I did that and I'm not, I can't get healed because of this. I can't get, be healed because of that. In his mind, he's re erased all of that. And he don't even know what you're talking about because it's in the sea of God's forgetfulness. It's only in the memory of the enemy that keeps bringing it to your mind and bringing it to your mind. And you say, yeah, but, but my, my history was yesterday. It's recent. His mercies are new every morning. And this God that's able to create a history so that water can become wine is able to erase a history so that you can become brand new and begin to walk with Him in a way that you never dreamed out the other side of the cross and into this resurrection that we're coming to in a few weeks' time here. This, this time where the tomb is empty. And we pass through the tomb and into this place where, where we realize that if we were crucified with Him, we also live with Him. And in living with Him, He said, now, now at this point, you need to wait because you're going to be endued with power from on high. <laughs> oh my. What a tremendous promise all this is. And I let this thing go too long. It canceled out on me. <laughs> but Luke chapter 24 verse 49 behold I'm sending the promise of my father upon you but you're to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high how many times do we try to push people out before they're aware that they've been bundled up into the power they've been nestled into the power of God that they, they're so much aware of what's around them now in the in the new birth but we send them out when they're still on the other side of the cross when in reality you hear me in reality he wants you to experience that clothing that that you become so aware of being immersed in the Holy Spirit that, that you're aware that in that is power to live no matter the situation. Now, don't mistake this. A lot of times we, we tell people about this and, and they, they really work and try to, try to make it happen. It's nothing you have to make happen. It's something you have to allow to happen. Now, if I were to take, and I'm not going to do this, Addie, but if I were to take a real diamond necklace and say, here, Addie, this is yours. Would you have it right now? No, because you've got your hands all in your shirt. You can't get it. <laughs> but if you were to reach and take it, it would be yours. And that's what he said. You will receive. That word receive is not that I'm just going to dump it on you and that's it. But you're going to have to reach and grasp that which I've given you. And it's going, to be, it's going to be the power that's from my Father, the power that's on high. And it's going to be, think of this confidence in this, it's going to be yours now. It's going to become so intertwined with you, so intermeshed in your being, that it would be described in the English as an inherent power. Just, just intermingled in you. Not that it's just there, but it becomes a part of you. 
And I would submit that that's why many people struggle. You say, oh, but it's supposed to help. But many people struggle because there is a power resident in you that's trying to work the will of God. And if you keep working that which is not the will of God, guess what? You've got a struggle going inside of you that you can never win. Keep trying to go back like a dog returning to its vomit. The Bible says that, not just me. You keep trying to go back, keep trying to go back, but there's something resident in you that won't let you feel good about it. One thing about it, you might not be living for God, but I guarantee you, you're ruined for the sinning business. It'll make you miserable. <laughs> It'll make you wonder why you were ever born. Why? Because the Holy Spirit don't give up. He, he just don't give up. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, gathering them together, his disciples, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. Which you heard from me, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? My goodness. How much time has been wasted writing books and asking questions about when it's finally going to happen and we're finally going to be out there enjoying our mansions and this world's going to be burning. Folks, understand something. If that were solid doctrine, and it's not, if it were, it would be your neighbors burning. It would be your friends burning. For some of us, it would be our family burning. When in reality, He's given us the power to have an effect on them. And that's what He sent us to do, is to go, not to condemn them for the way they're living, but to release a power of God in their lives that will cause them to ask questions that will help you to lead them. And then they too can receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs or seasons which the Father has fixed in His own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you'll be My witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, even to the uttermost parts of the earth. You shall be My witnesses. Witnesses. It's another word that's been greatly abused. And probably if you've been here very long, you've heard me talk about this. But Folks, that doesn't mean that I just go stand on the street corner yelling at people that I think might not believe like me and trying to get them to believe like me and, and pray a prayer with me. That's not witnessing. Witness means that because of this power, I'm able to not live the kind of life I lived before and to live in the newness of life and to live like Him. I shall be His witness. I shall be His. I, my life will be like His life. And my, that's what I want this team to understand as they go to the reservation, that when they step out of those vehicles, that they're stepping onto ground that the enemy has owned for years, but he don't own it anymore. Why? Because Damon and Jackie have been there, and the Bible says wherever they set their foot, God gives them. And they, when we step out of there, we step out of there to begin to affect people's lives with our lives, so that at some point the kingdom of God can expand and cover that reservation like the water covers the sea. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 7, one that I mentioned to you earlier, Jesus said, but I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. Let that sink in. So I've often been guilty of saying, oh, I would have liked to have been alive and walked with Jesus. And just see what he done. 
And part of me still believes that I'd like to try that, except that I can live like that. But part of the part of me that, that looks at it and says, I'm not so sure, is I began to realize what it really meant to walk with Jesus. He was a seditious guy. He was a rebel. He was a guy that was in the face of everything. When the religious people tried to tell him how to live, he would use the Scripture and cause them to turn away and uh, don't, want to, don't want to argue with that guy. When the, when the political and the, and the Roman powers tried to overcome him, he, would, he didn't argue with them. He said, you said it. He said, if, if I didn't want to submit to you, there's no way you'd have power over me. But let it be like you say. He was a guy that make you nervous to be with him. How would you like to be with a guy that looked at a blind man and bent over and spit in the dirt and formed something and popped it in his eye? And from jail, they said. <laughs> but the guy got healed, and he, now he could see. And I'll guarantee you, if you go out there and spit in the dirt and pop it in somebody's eye, they're just going to get mad, and you probably will go to jail. Because he wasn't establishing a method. He was letting us know that you hear God. He said, I do nothing unless I see my father doing it. My Father works and I work. If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. He's letting us know that if you listen to God, that power will mark your pathway. But the word that I like best there in John 16 and 7 is that I will send him to you. I will send him to you. And that word, means, that word send means to transmit by an act of your own will. And that gets exciting because the same power that was on Jesus, he's saying, I'll transmit that to you. The same way that he lived an overcoming life, the same way that he did what he did, he said, I'll transmit to you that power. Now, when you go beyond the crucifixion part of the cross and go on to the empty side of the cross and on through the tomb, in that walk, something changes. Oh, I hope I can get this in a way that you can understand it. But for years, the Holy Spirit's job had been just what it is now, to bring people, God's people, before God. And before Jesus, to be brought before God was not a pretty picture because we had no covering. We had no, we had no sacrifice on our behalf. And, and when it was His job to bring us before a God that was rather intimidating and at times ornery and at times downright violent. And, and it was His job to keep us before Him. But after the cross, His job is still to bring us before God, but it's different. God wants to be a father to you. Now, because of Jesus' sacrifice, He actually can be a father to you. And He wants us, instead of bringing condemnation to a life, He wants you to bring to the world this idea that the Father wants to love the world through you. Now, I don't want to give details right now because it's so new, but I got invited into a situation this past week. And to tell you the truth, I really didn't want to go. Because from a fleshly side of me, it just wasn't something I wanted to deal with. 
But I also could tell that there were two, three things pulling on me. One of the congregation was asking, my wife was asking, and the Holy Spirit was asking. My wife won out. No, but responding to the Holy Spirit. Responding to the Holy Spirit. Not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do. Went into that situation and watched the power of God at work. I didn't watch me at work. I watched the power of God at work. And I began to realize as I sat there and talked with this individual that it wasn't just this individual that God was opening up, but it was a family that was involved that desperately needed somebody to reach out that was being shut off by most of, of the Kirksville society. They were being shut off and shut out. And I realized that God brought me into a very uncomfortable situation so that He could release His power and possibly save an entire family, certainly save one of them. And it wouldn't have happened unless I was willing to be very uncomfortable and not know what to say. And I'm, I like to have my ducks in a row. I like to prepare. And I, I like to have the Scriptures to read and all that stuff. I didn't have none of that. I started to take a Bible and God said, put it down. I mean, I heard him clearly. I, I picked up and I picked up my, my good one, the one that I can look up all of the definitions and all that in. I picked that one up and he said, put it back down and just go. And so I put it back down and just went. And guess what? He had been there before me. He prepared the way. And I was able to look a young man right in the eye and say, well, if you don't have a pastor, if it's all right, I'll be your pastor. Tears came in his eyes and he said, yes. I would like that. Now, he don't know what he's asking for. <laughs> but God does. And here's the thing. We receive the power. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. After these people had waited, after they had given all, of, all the time and whatever time it was, it was uh, 49 days, I think. After they had given all the time as they waited, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Now, church, let me help you here. All together in one place. Let me tell you, to, to be together doesn't mean that we all have to believe exactly like the other one next to us believes. I've heard that preached and hammered that once we all believe the same thing, and, and you know what they're really saying? Once you believe what I believe. No, they all believed that Jesus had an answer for them and that He had promised a helper. They had seen Him raised from the dead. They had seen the miraculous works. They knew who He was. They were together in the sense that we're going to do what God has said to do. Can we be together like that as a house of God? As a family of God? Can we be together like that? I look across here and I could identify at least six or seven different ways of thinking about specific things in the Bible. That don't make any difference. Can we believe that Jesus has called us as a body and that He wants to do some stuff out there? They were all together and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind that filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves and they rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God was giving them utterance. Now, um, I grew up attending a Pentecostal church. 
I can't tell you that it had a whole lot of effect on me. Except that I became very cynical in what I believed. And I'm going to mention some of it, not to make fun of people, but just to show you how cynical a kid can become when he's basically an unsaved kid. And the only effect that the gospel is having on him is during church services. And at home, nothing. We made fun of people that would give a message in an unknown tongue as kids. Now, some people would tell you, oh, that's, that's coming against the Holy Spirit and that's unforgivable. No, it wasn't. We didn't know the Holy Spirit. We couldn't come against Him. We, didn't, we knew nothing about it. It's just that there were some very repetitious things that happened that was, called, that was called the Holy Spirit and the kids thought it was kind of funny. That's all. Kids will be kids. But I came out of that thinking that I wasn't sure if the baptism in the Holy Spirit was real or not. And I didn't have any scripture to prove it. I had a lot of hooping and hollering and exhortation, but no line upon line teaching about it. And my life got really ragged for a long time, and then I came to Jesus, and He dramatically changed my life. But I still wasn't sure about this baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I was still attending Pentecostal churches, and I, I owe much of who I am to those wonderful Pentecostal believers. And I remember that a man that the Pentecostal church that I was a part of would have said was a heretic because he didn't carry Pentecostal papers. He carried uh, fundamental papers. I'm trying not to mention denominations and so forth here. They would have thought him a heretic, but he had a New Testament where in the back he had written out as notes all of his thinking concerning the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and his experience in becoming, although a fundamental uh, minister, he had come to the experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I found that fascinating and began to read it. I'd go in every day and I'd lay across the bed and sit there and, and read not so much the Bible as reading his speaking about how he found it in the Word and how it worked in him. And I remember as plain as day. As when I finished, I said, God, I'm still not sure what I believe about this. Yeah, I'm hard-headed. I'm stubborn. Working on that. But I said, God, if this is real, then would you baptize me in the Holy Spirit? And I no more got the words out of my mouth until I started hearing words form in my mind. And I just began to speak them. And, you know, there was not a lot of fanfare, not a lot of emotion. But all of a sudden I realized that I was being filled by the Spirit of God. And that not only was I being filled, but it was spilling out around me. And it was something was changing about me. And, and I was just 
I didn't tell anybody because, again, I wasn't sure what had happened. I just know that God took over and done something. And, and then about a year later, when I was responding to a, a call into, into ministry, I was talking with a man that I had some confidence in about that. And my wife sat there and she said, you know, I really thought you had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit before God would would uh, put that call in your life. And I said, oh, well, that happened a year ago. You know, I, I just hadn't talked about it. What I, the point I want to make here is this is something that has become so rich in my life. There's many times, just like the instance I had this past week when I know I'm going into situations that I don't know what to do. And I'll just begin to begin to speak in that heavenly language and just, just begin to talk to God or allow the Spirit to pray through me, which is one of the things the Bible says it does. Maybe we'll get to that in another session. But, but I begin to do that, and I, I realize by the time I'm in that situation that I've got confidence. I'm charged. I'm listening. And I'm waiting on God uh, to talk to me about what to say or what not to say. Sometimes I'll find myself just listening to the other person and just breaking in every now and then identifying that, yeah, you heard God there. Isn't that amazing that God would talk to you that way? And that's all I'm doing. They think that they're on top of the world and that I'm really ministering to them. I'm not. I'm just listening. Because the Holy Spirit's a great listener. You hear me? He's a great listener. And He's a great speaker. He, he's, he's everything that caused Jesus to be who He was. And He not only indwells me, but He flows through me and He surrounds me and He immerses me. And the Bible says, now don't quench that Spirit. Now how, how would you quench a Spirit like that? By letting the Spirit of this world start to dominate your thoughts and dominate your behavior and dominate your, the places you go and the things you do. You'll quench the Spirit that way. But this baptism in the Holy Spirit is the one thing that I realize that makes me effective and makes me feel good about what God is doing through not just me, but through us. It's because we know that we're having an effect beyond the normal. Yeah, it's our normal, but it's not the normal for the peace people outside of here. And it's all because we didn't, we didn't try to make things happen. There was nobody over my shoulder yelling, trying to rev me through. That's it, that's it, speak it, speak it. None of that. It's just a simple, God, if this is real, I want it. And then he began to do it because he, notice he said, I will baptize you. Think about that. Now he said, I want you to go and I want you to heal the sick and I want you to do all that. But he never said, I want you to go and baptize people with the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm the baptizer. I'll do it. Now, I want to make an offer this morning. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or if you want to be refilled and baptized again in the Holy Spirit, just make your way up here. You say, why would I have to come to the front? You don't have to. You don't have to. Obviously, I didn't. But if you want to be baptized this morning, and I challenge you, to step out because there's something about it. I, I don't know what it is. I just know the Wesley brothers were on to something when they began to call people forward because there's something about breaking our own thought processes when we step out and begin to walk forward. And I don't even try to identify it. I just know God does it. 
So if you want to be baptized this morning, just, just come up and we'll just pray with you and we'll see what God will do. We're not going to try to force it, but I'm going to believe it'll happen. Matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if it don't happen the moment you stand up and head this way. And it's very, it's very simple. It, it does begin, I believe that speaking with other tongues is the initial physical evidence. And I know that comes directly out of the doctrine manual of Pentecostal churches. But there's something about that tongue becoming tamed that, that really works. And, and I believe that is the initial physical evidence. But it manifests in so many ways. I mean, it's not that you'll just talk in tongues. It's that you'll talk to your wife in a different way. You'll talk to your husband in a different way. You'll say, well, it didn't affect me that way. Then maybe it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> you'll talk to the, if you're a farmer, you'll talk to the cows in a different way. Hmm. Just a humorous story. I'm not going to keep doing stories, but down in Arkansas, this lady told me this herself. She said, my husband was a mean guy. And she said he would come and he would want to be filled with the Spirit. He'd want to be baptized. He'd come to the front and people would just, what they called in Arkansas, they'd try to rev him through. And finally, just to get him off of him, he'd start to make noises and they'd say, that's it, that's it. But she said, I didn't believe it. And she said, the way I knew it, he said, I'd watch the next morning and he would sit down and they said they milked the cow outside and she could watch him from the kitchen window and that old cow would kick and he'd go to cussing and she'd say it ain't happened yet. <laughs> but when it did happen she said I knew it did because that old cow kicked him completely over and he got up and laid his hand on that old cow's hip and began to pray. And she said I knew then that he'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It'll make you treat your cow different. <laughs> Folks it makes a change in us because all of a sudden we begin to realize that, man, maybe I can fulfill the purpose of God. Maybe I can make a difference in, my, in the students around me, in, in my job, in, in, in life in general. Maybe I can. But most of all, for me, it makes me realize I don't have to make it happen. I just present myself in the situation and God will help me with it. Anybody else? To the team going to North Dakota, I want to say this. I don't ask you to come forward now. I ask you, but if you don't want to, that's okay. But go to God in the privacy of your room, wherever it is you pray, and start to talk to Him about this. Because this will help you when we go. I, you know what? I don't want this team to go and just have, an, have a fun time and an experience and come back saying, praise God, I want a mission trip. I want them to profoundly impact the places they go and to be profoundly impacted themselves. And this is a necessary part of it. I've just, and we've got big plans coming out of this team. And I hadn't even talked to you, to you about all of them yet, but you wait and see. We've got some big plans in the coming years that's going to start with this team right here. Anybody else? If not, those of you that want to gather around and pray, let's do it. We're going to pray for Ron. We're not going to try to, Ron, get up in your, in your ear and yell at you. We're not going to spit in your face. We're just going to believe with you that God will immerse you in His Spirit and begin to, and begin to take over and let you know what is happening. Now, Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask you to baptize Ron in the Holy Spirit. Lord, it's not that he's not born again. That's not the issue. Lord, he's asking for power that you promised. 
receive the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Say whatever comes to mind. It may sound crazy, but just go ahead and say it. We don't have to hear it. Will you just speak it out and watch it begin to build and flow? Holy God. God, we worship you. We worship you. My Lord and my Savior. <laughs> Lord, you're so, so present right now. You're so present right now, God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the service. Thank you for what you're doing in lives.